If you have your Bibles, we will be in Psalm 128 this morning. And uh, I'm excited for a new series, right? Uh, we are starting a new series called The Happy Family. And uh, here's why I'm excited. I love families. I love my family. Uh, I love my wife. I love my kids. I have a rather large family by today's standards. If you don't know, I've, we have six of us total, me and the wife and the four kids. Uh, I love talking about families. Uh, I love just talking family stuff with people, um, conversations about families. I, just, I love that. I, uh, my background is in family ministry. Uh, I, before I came here, I was in student ministry and uh, worked a lot with students and families. And, and so man, my heart is for the home. My heart is for families. And then not only that, but uh, even academically, my background is in family ministry, family studies. And so um, last year I graduated, uh, I did my whole doctoral project in family ministry. And then what's, because COVID ruined everything, I didn't really get to graduate last year. So I'm going to go next month and graduate with my 2020 degree. So yeah, but it's all, I wasn't saying that for my applause. I was just saying that because like I love families. I've devoted much of my life to wanting to serve families and equip families and help families. And so I am amped to talk about families for the next, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks. If it was up to me, we'd go two or three years talking about it, but, um, but you might, it might get redundant after that. Um, but anyways, one of the reasons I'm excited to talk about families is just because I believe, I believe families are under attack, right? And, and I want to qualify that a little bit. So yesterday, uh, I was making one of my 94 trips to Lowe's in this season of life that I'm in. And I was listening to a podcast, and I had a, a little advertisement in the middle of the podcast. By the way, any podcast listeners in here? Our church has a podcast, if you didn't know. Shout out to Zach, wherever he is. And it's awesome, okay? So um, you guys should listen. It's fun. It's informative. Sometimes it goes off the rails, which if you know my personality, I like that. So I got to get this sermon back on the rails. Um, anyways, I was listening to this podcast and I had an ad for this news station, this news outlet, uh, news channel. I don't remember exactly, but I remember uh, part of the advertisement was they were saying, you know, if you watch this program or listen to this program, what will happen is you'll, uh, you'll learn the real dangers facing your family. All right, the real dangers facing you and your family. You'll learn those if you listen or watch this program, whatever it was. Don't remember if it was a show uh, or something that you listened to. But either way. The, the ad promised that if you tune in, you'll really know what dangers are facing your family. Now, I, I don't watch the program. I don't even, clearly, I don't even remember what it was. But my guess is, is that the things that they would say are the dangers to your family, they might be, but my point I want to get across this morning is, is the dangers that they would have said, uh, hey, these things are dangerous to your family. I would submit to you that the real dangers to your family are much deeper than what they would have said. Right? Because the danger to your family is not just uh, governmental policy or legislation. The, the real threat to your family, the real threat to my family, is spiritual. Right? Because there is an enemy that is walking around seeking to destroy. Right? The, the real threat to your family is, um, is not something physical, it's something that you don't see every day, right? But it doesn't mean it's any less real. So we, if you wonder what your church staff does during the week, um, 
like, like one day a week, we've been watching a sermon series from the Village Church in Dallas, Texas. Uh, and we're, it's a series on the book of Revelation. Um, if you like Revelation, you should totally watch that series. It's informative. It's incredible. Um, but one of the, the recurring themes in that series is that ultimate reality is not just what you see in front of you. Because all around us, all the time, there's spiritual things happening. I know that kind of wigs some of us out. We're like, whoa, are you talking like exorcist stuff? Like, no, not that's a movie. Not like that. Right? But there's always spiritual stuff going on around us. And, and part of that is there's a spiritual battle going on. Right? Like when you, when you woke up this morning to go to church and things started to fall apart, that's more than just like a physical uh, thing. Right? There's spiritual forces in play there. Right? The argument with your kids on the way to church, like there's, that's a spiritual thing. Right? This is how Paul says it in Ephesians 6. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Right? The battle for your family is not fought primarily just in this physical realm. Right? So we can blame people. We can blame political parties. We can blame government policies, but all those things are insufficient if we're really going to get at the heart of what the battle for our family, like where that battle's being waged, right? Because it's in a spiritual realm, right? The family is like ground zero for spiritual warfare. And there, there's a lot of different reasons for that. And by the way, this is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. So like to, to think that, Man, families are under attack these days. And families have always been under attack. Genesis 3, right? The serpent shows up in the garden and says to Eve, right? Take, you know, deceives Eve, and then all of a sudden there's tension between her and her husband. All of a sudden there's, uh, there's going to be pain in childbearing. All the mothers are like, amen, right? right? There's, the family has always been under attack, and the family has always been under attack because the family in ways that, that no, other, uh, no other area of, of life reflects right, God's, the, the good news of the gospel and God's plan for his people. Right, marriage. Right, take marriage. That is a, uh, it ultimately points to the relationship between Christ and his church. Right, take parenting. If you've got kids, or what parenting does is it gives us a glimpse of uh, God's love for us as his children, right? When God saves us, he adopts us into his family. He becomes a heavenly father. We're adopted into a family where we have brothers and sisters. You ever wonder why we refer to each other as brother and sister in the church? Is because we're all part of a family, the household of God. There's more, be more on that next week. I don't want to preach that sermon first. Um, my point is that Satan attacks the family because the family reflects God's good design and purposes for this world and for his, his creation, for his people. So the family, the family is under spiritual attack, and it's always been under spiritual attack. And so we can blame, uh, I mean, we can blame politics, we can, bl- I mean, you can blame whatever you want, but as, if you're focused on the things here in this world as the reason the family is falling apart, then you're just gonna, your family's going to keep getting beat up because we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. Right? We wrestle with with evil and darkness and demonic forces that are 
that are striving to tear your family and my family apart. And so what we, what we need is not just the right legislation, not just the right parenting techniques, uh, not just more date nights. Right? As good and helpful as those things are, what we need is the Lord to fight for us. So I just want to start this series on the family, just asking the Lord to fight on behalf of our families. All right, so would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning, um, and we just want to acknowledge our dependence on you. Um, it's tempting to look around at everything going on in the world and, uh, and fear and cower, um, but Lord, that is not what you've called us to. Uh, you have not called us to be afraid. So Lord, I, I pray that our families would not be, uh, Lord, we would not fear we have you fighting for us. You are on our side. You are for us. You are our helper. You are our defender. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us, help our families. I pray you would protect our families. I pray you'd protect our marriages. I pray you would protect uh, our, our children, whether they're young or whether they're grown. Um, Lord, I pray that, that over the next few weeks as we as we talk about families and your plan for the family and your purposes for the family, I pray that you would help us to understand so that, so that we don't settle for um, just addressing the superficial things, but we get underneath that to see what your plans for our families are. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us. I pray that you would fight for us and um, Lord, strengthen us for the battle ahead. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, what we're doing this week is we're just kind of introduce this series a little bit. All right, we're going to flesh this out over the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to look at different aspects of the family, marriage, and, um, parenting, discipleship, uh, discipline. We're going to look at all this. Even we're going to have a sermon on singleness. Right? We're going to talk about everything family related. But uh, what we're going to do this morning is just kind of give a little bit of an overview of sorts. And we're going to be in Psalm uh, 128, but actually, we first started, we were going to go Psalm 127. That's where we planned on starting. But as we kind of read through, we looked at Psalm 128, and we're like, no, this is, this is better. This is what we want. But Psalm 127 does set us up for Psalm 128. So I want to read the first couple of verses of 127 to get us to Psalm 128. And here's what verses 1 and 2 says. It says, unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Right? The point in these two verses is that our families, our homes are in desperate need of the Lord. That's why we just pray. We need God's help. Right? The first... Like, like, before we get to the encouragement of Psalm 128, and I, I think you'll find it encouraging here in just a minute, what 127 does is it confronts us with our own inadequacies and our own insufficiencies when it comes to leading and managing our homes. Right? We need, now we don't, we, don't, like, we don't like that. We don't like to feel inadequate or insufficient. But the reality is, is like, if we're going to fight and push back against the evil and darkness that's coming for our families, if we're going to stand against Satan's attacks on our families, it's not going to be in our own strength. And we can labor and toil all we want, but if God's not in it, then it's in vain. 
And so that sets us up for Psalm 128. So here's Psalm 128. It says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, and you shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. So here's I'm give you my first point. I got two big points today. All right? The first one is this. The happy family fears the Lord. Right? The happy family fears the Lord. Now, I've got to deconstruct that statement a little bit because it's full of loaded words. The first one is the word happy. Right? I'm, full disclosure, when we were trying to come up with a, uh, a title for the series, we just wanted something that, that people would be like, that's what I want my family to be. Right? Now, is there anybody that doesn't want a happy family? No. All of us want a happy family, right? Especially when you get to Thanksgiving and you're sitting there and you're like, these people drive me crazy. Right? It's in those moments you're like, oh, I want a happy family. We want a happy family, but sometimes the word happy gets a bad, gets a bad rap. We think of it as like just kind of temporary. And I get that. Like happiness can be fleeting at times. But there's actually some scriptural support for the word here. Right? Because the Psalm 128, the very first word says, blessed or blessed, depending on how you like to read it. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And, and that word, right, originally in the Hebrew, uh, has been translated by, by various translations of the Bible and, and even translated elsewhere in the Bible as the word happy. All right, so we could say, happy is everyone who fears the Lord. All right, happiness is, even though it gets a bad rap sometimes, it's, it's biblical. Like here's what one of the commentaries I read this week said, that happiness is a covenant state of being for God's people. Like we should, like if you are a child of God, a Christian, a Christ follower, you should just be happy. I think, honestly, I think a lot of times the church gets a bad rap because a lot of us just don't act happy. Like happiness is like a, uh, it's an evangelistic it's tool, it's an apologetic. Like we, of all people, should be happy people. Right? For all the chaos going on in the world that we see, we should be happy people. Because our Father is the creator of the world and He's ruling and He's reigning and He loves us and no matter what the world has to, to throw at us, like we know we win. We should be a happy people. Right? And, and genuine, according to this, genuine happiness, blessedness, right? you can use those interchangeably, I think. Genuine happiness comes from fearing the Lord, from walking in His ways. Right? So the happy family fears the Lord. Uh, but, but there's more words in that, right? So you got the word happy. But then maybe the most loaded word in that sentence is the word family. Because family means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I think, I think sometimes in the church world, when you hear the word family, the thing that we think of is like, like leave it to beaver. You got, some of you guys have no idea what that show is, right? It's, I probably shouldn't know what that show is, um, but I do. Right? You, when we think of the word family, we think of like the, uh, you know, the happy 
and we should be happy, like the mom and the dad and the two kids are sitting around the dinner table, you know, like that's what we think of as family. But that's not what all families look like. Right? Families look, there's a lot of different shapes, a lot of different sizes. For some of us, when we hear the word family, it's like positive and encouraging, like K-Love. Like we, we think, uh, <laughs> we think that, that family is a, is a good thing. We love family. And then for some of us, family brings negative thoughts because our family experience hasn't been so good. Right? For some of us, there's tension and there's pain and there's, right? family is hard for some of us. And then for some, family looks like, like I said, married with kids. For some people, family is married with not kids. For some people, family is, I'm not married, I'm single. For some people, family is single mom, single dad with kids. Right? Family looks a million different ways. And so what I want us to see throughout this series is the word family um, is more than just kind of the stereotypical mom, dad, kids. I believe that is good. I believe that's part of God's design, but family looks different for everybody. And so if you're here and you're like, well, that's, my family doesn't look like a stereotypical family, that's fine. I'm glad you're here. Because if you look at this, this text, it doesn't say happy or, or blessed is right the nuclear family. It doesn't say blessed is the mom and dad with kids. It says blessed is what? Everyone. Everyone who fears the Lord. Your family may be awesome or your family may be falling apart. But, right, family, the happy family fears the Lord. So whatever your family looks like, there's something for you here and there's something for you over the next few weeks in this series. All right? And I just want to say this. Every family's broken. Every one of them. All right, so if, if even just the idea of spending the next six, seven, eight weeks talking about family brings about some sort of tension for you, join the club. All of our families are broken. Right? There's no such thing as the perfect family. That's why we didn't name, we didn't name our series The Perfect Family. That doesn't exist. Right? All of our families are broken. And what we see time and time again throughout Scripture is that where the ideal is lacking, God's grace abounds. Right? Where, where the ideal is lacking, your family may not look like what you want it to look like, and yet God still lavishes us in grace and mercy. Right? Where the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. So we've got the word happy, we've got the word family, and then we've got the word fear. The happy family fears the Lord. Now you put happiness... And fear in the same sentence, and it feels like an oxymoron. Right? Those two things seem like they should not coexist. But we've got to unpack the word fear. Because right? it's used all throughout the Bible, just over and over again. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Right? And, and what we need to do is understand really what that means. And it's just this idea of, of reverence uh, and, and awe and respect for who God is. Right? One of the Things that I read this week said that uh, fear of the Lord is a proper God-directed attitude. Right? To say that we fear the Lord, it just means that we think rightly and respond rightly to who God is. Right? Not flippantly, not, uh, right? we, we reverence and respect and awe. Right? James Boyce uh, wrote a commentary on the Psalms. I, I leaned on that a lot this week. This is what he writes about what it means to fear the Lord. He says, God must be taken seriously. He must not be trifled with. He must be, as he actually is, 
the center of everything that we are, think, or aspire to do. He must be our starting point for every project, the strength we seek for every valuable endeavor, the one we earnestly desire to please and honor as our goal. This is what it means to fear the Lord. It essentially means this, that God is the center of everything that we do. To, to, to walk in His ways, right? Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. It's this idea of, of God is going to be central in our family. God's going to be central in our home so that uh, everything that we do, every decision we make, we run through this filter of what would be most pleasing to the Lord. Like, what, like, whenever we're faced with a, a dilemma or a decision or, or something we've got to act on, it should be run through the filter of what would the Lord have our family to do? Right? That's what it means to, to fear the Lord. It's to make God the, the centerpiece in our home. And, and what the text says is, is when we do that, right, the Lord blesses. Right? When, we, when we make God the centerpiece, when we fear the Lord, when we walk in His ways, you should read through the text. The Lord blesses our families. And He says, uh, you shall eat the labor of your hands. You shall... Uh, be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine. Your children will be like olive shoots. Right? If you want your marriage to thrive, if you want your, uh, your children to thrive and flourish, if you want I mean, just the, the work and the labor of your hands to be fruitful, it begins with a fear of the Lord, making God the centerpiece in your home. That doesn't mean everything will be perfect. That doesn't mean there won't be uh, moments of tension whether it's in your marriage or in your relationship with your kids. Again, every family's broken. Every individual's fallen. We're always going to have to navigate our sinful attitudes and inclinations and responses. All right, but, but the psalm is a general principle here. You make God the centerpiece of your home, and blessing comes from that. Right. So the happy family fears the Lord, walks in His ways. But here's the second one, second point. The happy family reflects God's goodness. The happy family reflects God's goodness. So if you look at Psalm 128, what, what you see is the first four verses are kind of focused on like an individual family. It's really kind of addressed to a man. It talks about his wife. It talks about his children. It talks about his, uh, the, the fruit of his, his labors. So you got the first four verses are really focused on uh, the, the individual family and individual home. But then all of a sudden you get to verses 5 and 6, and it says, The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. So what happens here is, is the psalmist zooms out. He's not just looking just at the nuclear family anymore. All of a sudden now he's looking at uh, God's people as a whole. Right? He says, Peace be upon Israel. That's all of God's people. And then he even talks about the prosperity of the city. So what, what happens is, is the psalmist is zoomed out. We're not just looking at a family. All of a sudden, now we're looking at God's people. We're looking at the city. And it feels like kind of a hard right turn. It feels like, wait, where do we just go? We were talking about families, and now we're talking about the prosperity of the city. And it feels like an abrupt transition, but really it's a progression. And the progression is... The Lord blesses the family, and then in turn, our families bless others. The Lord blesses the family, and then our families bless 
others. Right? One of the many purposes of your family, one of the many purposes of my family, is to reflect God's goodness wherever he's put your family. Right? I talk about, I reference this verse all the time, Acts 17, I believe it's 26, where it says God has determined like our, our boundaries, our dwelling places, and our, our time periods. Like God has you where you are for a reason. And by extension, God has your family where your family is for a reason. Maybe you think you moved here for a job. Maybe you think you moved here uh, for, for this or that or the other. But the reality is, is God was the one who moved you. You are where you are because God wanted you there. You live in the subdivision or the uh, the neighborhood, or maybe you live out on a farm. I don't know. You live where you live because that's exactly where God wanted you. And he has a purpose for you, and he has a purpose for your family right there. Right? Our families exist to reflect God's goodness to the people and the world that he's placed around us. And so I think one of the, the places we see this so clearly in Scripture is in the book of Jeremiah. If you're familiar with Jeremiah, uh, he's called the weeping prophet. Prophet? I just <laughs> forgot the H, apparently. Uh, he is called the weeping prophet. Uh, so if you are discouraged, don't read Jeremiah. But uh, if you know the book of Jeremiah, what's happening there is God's people are in exile. Because of their disobedience and their hard-heartedness, God gave his people over to their enemies. It's a form of discipline. We'll talk about discipline in a few weeks too, all right? But right, God gave his people over to their enemies as an act of, of discipline for them because of their disobedience, because of their hard-heartedness. So they find themselves literally living in enemy territory, surrounded by their enemies. And the, you would think that uh, in that situation, like that you would you know, want to hunker down in fear, right? We're surrounded by our enemies. And yet that's not what God has for the Israelites. And so most of us know Psalm, or Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Right? Most of us know that verse. We love it. We stick it on coffee cups. We put it on our house, all that good stuff. But what's interesting is a few verses before that, listen to what Jeremiah says. He's speaking to Israel in captivity, in bondage, enslaved, he says this, verses 5 through 7 of Jeremiah 29. He says, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Right, so Jeremiah says, hey, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you. But that's after he says, hey, take your family, right? get married, have children, get your children married so that they have children, expand, multiply, seek the welfare of the city. Because as the city prospers, then you prosper. And the point behind all that is that God was using the Israelites and their families for the good of others. Right? He's using the family to reflect his 
goodness, right? Babylon was a, it would have been the epitome of like evil, dark, like, like it would, the things we see going on in the world today would not compare to what Babylon would have been, right? It was enemy territory for God's people. And yet God sends his people into Babylonian captivity and says, go, push back the darkness, push back the evil. This is what your families will do. You will reflect my goodness in this pagan culture. You will not cower in fear. You will not hunker down and like ride the storm out. I'm sending you into it. And this is what God has for our our families, right? Our families are a good gift from God. But our families are not ends in and of themselves. Right? If your family becomes like the, the end goal, that's called idolatry. Right? Our families are to be used and leveraged for God's purposes in the world. That's what happens in Jeremiah, and it's still happening today, right? Our, our families are to be leveraged for the growth and the expanse of God's kingdom. God did not call our families to cower in fear. He didn't do it then in Babylon, and he's not doing it today. Our families are to be leveraged and used as, as weapons to push back darkness, to push back evil. In Psalm 127, you know what the psalmist refers to our children as? Arrows. You know what arrows are? Weapons. They kill or injure very badly. Our children are to be weapons that we train and we sharpen and we discipline and we disciple and then we fire off so that generations on down the road will know the Lord and follow the Lord and serve the Lord and continue. That's the purpose of the family, to push back evil, to push back darkness. Our families are good gifts to be enjoyed. But even more than that, they are good gifts to be employed for the expanse of God's kingdom. That's what our families are for. The happy family reflects God's goodness. So here's what I want to do. We're going to land with this. I've got kind of two questions uh, for your family. But it's really, when I look at this text, right? you've got verses 1 through 4, you've got verses five and six, I think you can overlay over this almost perfectly the great commandment. Now, if you don't know what that is, in the New Testament, some people come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, what's the most important command? And he says, love God. And the second one is like it, you love others. You love God, you love others, you fulfill all the law and the prophets. You love God, you love others. The rest will take care of itself. And I think we see that in this text. Right? The first four verses are just like, hey, love God, fear the Lord, walk in his ways. So my question to you, first question is, is how can your family love God? How can your family love God more? Right? Maybe it means making God the centerpiece of your family instead of just kind of fitting him in in the margins when it's convenient. Right? There's, there's no... Like, it's no secret to anyone that things like sports and activities have become like the things that our families revolve around, and then we'll just kind of fit God in wherever we can with, with the excess time we have left. 
But the happy family fears the Lord. Respect, right? Reverence, honor. So maybe loving God more with your family just means we're going to take God uh, out of kind of the, the margins and make him the center piece of our home so that everything that we do runs through that filter of what would be most honoring to the Lord. Like maybe it means um, just making the things of God a priority right? in, in your home. You, you pray together. Right? And gosh, I, this is a message for me right now. Maybe it makes the, the, the things of God central in our home right? so that our families see the most important things for us are not our careers, not, uh, not any number of things that could take our focus, but the most important thing for us is that we fear the Lord and walk in His ways. Maybe it means uh, just asking that question in everything. What would be most honoring to the Lord? How can your family love God more? Right, and the second question, so again, going back to the great commandment, love God, love others. Right? How can your family love others? I'm like, like practically, how can your family love other people? And I don't even just mean like people just like you, people that call Valley Creek their church home. I just mean how can your family love people that are not part of God's household? People that are not part of God's family. Here in a couple weeks, not a couple weeks, a few weeks, you're going to have an opportunity like we just talked about, Valley Creek Go. What if your whole family signed up? You and the kids, if you have kids, whatever your family looks like, again, what if you all just said, we're going to go and we're going to serve? It's not about us. We want to go serve the people of our community. And if you have young kids, that sounds chaotic. I know because I have some. But man, what an opportunity for them to learn what it means to serve others and to love others. What about, what about if you actually like got to know your neighbors? I mean, like really got to know them. Not like you know that his name is Tom and he works in Louisville. I mean, like what if you knew his story? What if you invited your neighbors over to share a meal, just to get to know each other, to build relationships that, that maybe might prove fruitful in the future? Like, what if you, what if you love others in that way? Like what, if, uh, what if you heard their, their stories and their backgrounds? Like, what if, here's one, what if we treated sports leagues like a mission field? Well, we loved others that way. So that uh, so sports are not something that we... Uh, here's, from my experience in, in uh, youth sports, both in student ministry and my own kids playing sports, I found that they fall on one of two ends of the spectrum. It's usually we begrudge them because we're like, oh, I've got to take the kid to sport practice again, <laughs> right? Or on the other end, it's we try and live vicariously through our kids when it comes to sports because... Now that we're old, we realize that we really weren't the athletes we thought we were. And so we're like, ah, little Timmy is going to make it to the MLB one day. Right, but, but what if we saw sports leagues and sports teams not just as activities that take up our time, but what if they were mission fields? Right, the, the other families that we interact with, the other parents that we interact with, the other kids that our kids interact with. What if we saw them not as just teammates, not as just uh, parents of teammates, but as 
as people made in the image of God. And we seek their good to love them and to point them to the God who loves them more. How can your family love others? Here's the deal. I want what's best for my family. And so do you. And if we take God at his word and make him the centerpiece of our homes, the centerpiece of our families, we walk according to his ways, his blessings will flow. Our marriages will flourish. Our children will thrive. Our cities would prosper. As families are strengthened and society is strengthened. And as we fear the Lord, we walk in his ways, our marriages grow, flourish, our children thrive, our cities prosper, and the schemes of the enemy are pushed back. That's what the family's for. That's what the family's for. And I'm excited for the next few weeks. Pumped for the next few weeks. All right. So if you would, bow your heads. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning. And uh, I thank you for families. I thank you that, uh, that you've given them to us as gifts to be enjoyed. I thank you that our families um, serve to also point us to your relationship with your people. Or that our, our marriages point us to um, the relationship between Jesus and the church. That our, our relationships with our children point us to your relationship with us as your children. Um, I pray that we learn from that. I pray, Father, that for those of us who family brings about um, negative thoughts or, or tensions or regrets or despair, Lord, I pray that we would uh, Lord, just believe that, that where the ideal is lacking, your grace abounds. And Lord, I pray that, that you would use our families for your purposes. I pray that our families would be places where, where you are central. You're not pushed to the margins to just fit in whenever we have time, whenever we don't have other plans. But I pray that our families would be places where, where you are the centerpiece of our homes and that as we worship you, as we serve you, as we strive to love you more each day than we did the day before, I pray that our families would be uh, like, like just small little armies that would push back the darkness, the deception, the evil. Lord, I pray that we would not settle for um, fighting this battle in our own power. I pray that we would seek you and your wisdom and your help and your guidance and your protection and your power. So Lord, use our families for your purposes. We ask and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.